Welcome to another Sophist Podcast. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and I'm here coming to you live from B-Sides Vancouver 2017. And uh, I'm here with Derek from Ubico, one of our sponsors, and wanted to have a, a, a bit of a chat about kind of the, the changing uh, landscape of multi-factor. I think, you know, most of us that probably got uh, the, our start in this business, the first time we saw multi-factor authentication was maybe an, an RSA token, uh, you know, with a little fob in your pocket and the six-digit number changing and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's it's moved on quite a ways beyond that. I mean, I actually carry three different <laughs> two-factor tokens with my son. If I don't count my phone, I guess maybe if I count my phone as a second factor sometimes, call that four. There you go. Uh, you know, perhaps you can kind of give us a little bit of a, a lay of the land because I think as IT people often we're disappointed with this, well, do I go with vendor A or vendor B or vendor C and there was no standards and this kind of thing. And my understanding is that's, that's really changed in the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I can say that Ubico has been a big part of is really laying the foundation for the FIDO Alliance. And the, the FIDO Alliance was a, a group of companies that came together with the express purpose of trying to solve authentication problems. It's been extremely difficult. There was no standards for solving authentication. Authentication was the root of most of the breaches. And it was really hard to talk about how do I do strong authentication when I'm looking at my customer base? How do I inflict something that might be cumbersome to the process and that where people would abandon? And so uh, with the FIDO Alliance, you know, there, there's a lot of work that we've been doing there. But one of the things we specifically did is we co-wrote with Google a protocol called U2F. In U2F, you're starting to see adoption in some really large names. The most recent large name that added U2F support was Facebook. Yeah, I think that's a big testament uh, to this because Facebook, of course, is famous for making things frictionless to the point of leaking our data all over the internet. And they don't want any barrier to get in the way for their users, right? I mean, like that, that's, a, that's a number one requirement for most social media companies is I want you to tweet and snap and Facebook post and Insta tweet or whatever you do on all these things. But you know, I don't want there to ever be a reason for you to not do it because that's what's going to make it viral and successful and popular, right? So Facebook adopting this actually kind of surprised me. I was disappointed for years that they didn't have it. But it was, was that the thing? Have we finally gotten to a point where like with U2F being more universal, that that was kind of helping them, that, that the, the cost, was it cost? Was it, was it difficulty? Well, it was kind of all, all the things kind of came together finally. U2F was starting to be known enough. The risk of having multi-factor authentication not enabled was starting to be understood by a lot of people. If you were in a, a journalist position or if you were in kind of a high-valued asset and your, your Facebook was hacked, it would create significant problems for you, potentially your brand, and ultimately for for them as a company. And so adding U2F was a very simple way for them to basically create a login process where you could put in something that was unfishable. And you know, by the end of the day, when you put in U2F and you went to that, that model, there's no phishing attacks that are available. And so that really changed the equation for a lot of people that were using Facebook services in countries that were really looking very closely at username and passwords and information they could capture from you. Well, we, I guess another uh, point there is cost, right? I mean, the, yeah. the physical cost. I mean, U2F isn't like in patent, uh, patent encumbered or anything, right? So if I, if, if I wanted to, I could just start making these in my garage. It, yes, that was the big part is U2F. And this is, we promote the, the FIDO protocols and the and U2F standard, even though it's not something that is uh, tied to vendor lock-in. Because ultimately, the bigger U2F gets, the better for everyone. The more secure it is, the more tokens you have available. Because the more you move away from SMS or move away from passwords, the more physical devices you have to have. And the more devices you have and the more ubiquitous they are, the more value everyone gets out of it. So, oh, 
<laughs> so, so the result of that is you get a very cheap token that you get to use in many, many different places. So I don't need the four tokens that I'm carrying around anymore, arguably, if all the things I do start supporting things like U2F. Because, I mean, I, this has always been a, a conundrum for me going, well, no matter how good a job I do protecting my password, without a second factor, I'm still unprotected when you lose your non-salted password database that seems to keep happening in the news and these types of things. And, like, you know, I was speaking to you before the podcast here, like, you know, personally, I host a Git repository on my own server, and I... I GPG encrypt my passwords and store them in my Git repository. And then I can sync that to my phone and do my own two-factor on my phone and two-factor on my... But it's a giant pain. It's been a giant pain in the butt. And all that does is get me really long, secure passwords that can still... Anybody could steal from the other end mm -hmm. and get into my accounts anyway. So I would rather not have to do that and be able to use the token, I, I, which begs the question then the weak point is still the password part itself. Do you, is there a, like we've been declaring the death of passwords seemingly forever and uh, depending who you ask, the, of course most of the time whatever it is they do they have the answer, but our paths, will we see an end to passwords or are we always gonna be stuck with, well, I'm gonna have to remember something and try to keep it secret to combine with my token. U2F is that real, is, it's really a first step. Um, U2F really devalues the password. It's very useful to have something that you know that identifies you in case your token was stolen, taken from you or whatever, so that there is another barrier, but it's about devaluing. If you squint, you can see the future where there are no passwords on these accounts, but it, it's a really big shift because with a password, the process for signing up, the trust on first use kind of models where you just register and you go, the recovery is very simple. I go to my new device, I type my password in, I get my code, and I can register. When you start using other device types and other, other cryptographic credentials, you start getting into a place where it's harder to add new devices. And so the future is coming, and I think you will see that um, as FIDO2 becomes a bigger um, and more real thing in the industry, that you will see passwordless identities for people in enterprise and consumer where they still get all the benefits of what's in U2F and have a a phishing resistant authentication mechanism. But, but if we get rid of the password, what does it get replaced with, right? Because I don't obviously don't want you to be able to steal my token and be me because yeah. that doesn't solve any problems really. I mean, it changes the problem because mm -hmm. you're not stealing a thousand tokens like you can steal a thousand passwords. So it's it's increased the barrier of difficulty for the criminal. I mean, if I steal a password hash database right now and there's a field in that database that says whether that account has two-factor, I'm probably just not going to bother trying to break into the ones that have two-factor because most of that crime is opportunistic crime. But when we, you know, start going up from there, I can't trust my YubiKey as my identity. To me, I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So what, what do I do with it if it's not a password? So th there's a couple different ways to look at this problem. First, the protocols we're talking about address attacks at scale. Very few products on the market actually can defeat the rubber hose attack. If I can right, take right. you out back, you're eventually going to give me your password. Right now, you've got to take my token and you have to beat me, though. Yes. <laughs> but we'll, we'll eventually get to the point where I've got your account. And so what will happen is in those cases where you are worried about a personal attack, you will see devices on the market that start to elevate the requirements to make that, to get those keys off the device and make them function. Ultimately, what the where the value is for 99% of the use cases is in protecting against attacks at scale. And so if you've lost your keys, we usually talk about having multiple devices so that you can get back in with, and maintain that same level of assurance. And then you have to go back through and revoke the key you lost. I mean, very similar to how you deal with car keys. You've got multiple keys to your car, multiple keys to your house. It really starts to become where you've got to replicate that model in the electronic world. So I guess in the uh, high security or sensitive 
enterprise spaces, you're still going to have another thing with a key, either biometrics or a password or something, right? Because, you know, like you say, the mass scale attack stuff for our, for our friends and family mm -hmm. to help protect their Facebook and their Gmail and these types of things, the token kind of solves a lot of it for them and is probably good enough. Well, and the other side that we're seeing is we're not seeing, you know, when you look at the future and what's coming, you're not necessarily seeing getting rid of the old technology. Because in the enterprise use case, most people still have their enterprises anchored off Active Directory, which means they're anchored off Kerberos, which means the best tool you have available out of the box is a smart card authentication. And so you, you're still looking at you know, multi-factors on dev, multi, you know, single devices. It's all certificate-based. You still get all the benefits. What we've been focused on in that space is making it easy and making it all on one device. Yeah. And so, you know, and there's still And I can attest to the problem. convenience of that. I mean, without being too promotional about Yubico, yeah. but like, you know, my YubiKey has my Google Authenticator token stored on it so that they are on whatever phone I'm on without having to move my seeds around over and over and over again. And my YubiKey is also my GPG certificate and my YubiKey is my smart card and yep. like I use it for lots of different things and uh, because of that very reason right like I, I don't want to have to do this things four different ways I've got one thing that I tap to my phone or I plug into my computer and it's great but the I, I think now that you know we got we can get the price down so you guys sell ones that are just U2F and there's quite a few vendors I think you can go on Amazon and get U2F yeah. tokens now but you go looking for security key or U2F token, whichever somebody branded it under. But FIDO U2F is the standard and the certification that you would look for. And there's a lot of vendors that are selling it. We sell one that's U2F only, and it's less than the, the bigger products because it's it's a very targeted piece. So so I could kind of equip my family for the price of a password manager with absolutely. a handful of U2F tokens. Yep. Well, and there's password managers out there that have added U2F. There's all sorts of... The ecosystem's growing. Um, we get reports daily of somebody else that just added the added it because it's standards based does it work with like uh windows hello and windows 10 or so the windows hello conversation is a little bit more complicated <laughs> um, but we are doing a lot of work to uh really see fido and the fido protocols work everywhere uh, microsoft is publicly committed to make fido work everywhere it's have to be careful you're from seattle and you probably have friends in redmond and we don't want to <laughs> yeah no i i I'm definitely not going to disclose anything I shouldn't be, but there's a lot of exciting news that I expect you'll start hearing here in the next year about what's going on. But I mean, is that another piece of it? So I was thinking like, you know, Windows Hello or things like, you know, Pam on Linux or, mm. you know, being able to integrate it not just into my Facebook, but as another way of accessing my laptop or perhaps my full disk encryption when I boot my laptop or something like that. Yeah, and we, we do see Pam modules for U2F and it's it, it's really interesting to start looking at how, Pam, um, how U2F can work in a system administration administration story. It's absolutely designed to work across all sorts of channels. We just focused on web first. But when you start talking about U2F, as long as the client can pass the, uh, the challenge that the server sends down, you get the exact same benefits that you would from an authentication side with the web application as you do SSH. So there's a lot of value there because ultimately it's a point in time, one you know, challenge-based signed um, authentication request. So it's high, high security. I had another question in my head, and it just it just escaped me. But well, I guess that that was going to be the kind of one of my last questions. But I was going to turn it over to other people if they had questions about U2F and kind of how this works. Uh, but one that popped, you know, to my mind is. Uh, like, so exactly who is Fido, right? Like when I think of it, I think of companies like yourself. Uh, and obviously now I think of Facebook and I know, you know, Gmail supports it. But like who, who plays in this game? Is it is it mostly uh, uh, identity token providers like yourselves or 
who are the other big players, I guess, that, that are part of FIDO? It, it really runs the whole gamut. I mean, we have everyone from, by the way, the, the list of members is, is public. If you go up to FIDOalliance.org, it, it's up there, and it'll show you everyone who's joined. But we have everything from hardware and chip manufacturers through authenticators like ourselves, through some relying parties um, that have implemented it, that want to learn more. There's financial institutions. The idea is everyone's really seen the value of it. And it's now just maturing the ecosystem enough that it's usable everywhere. And, and that's that's actually happening at a fairly rapid pace considering how many things actually have to be touched. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would love to see it for my bank instead of trying to – I don't even want to talk about the absurd things my bank does for or authentication at the moment that make me uncomfortable. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it's that kind of thing, I guess. It's, but you say – like you say, it's got to be easy. And it doesn't – I think it doesn't just need to be easy for users – it needs to be easy for me. Like if I'm running a website and I want to have, you know, I want to be able to find a WordPress plugin to just turn on U2F for authenticating to my WordPress if that's what I'm using, right? And, you know, that ubiquity of it literally being a switch that I flip and mm -hmm. saying I now have it and I just put my token seed in and I'm ready to go, that kind of thing I think is really what will help with adoption and, you know, the universality of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, there's a lot of tools out there. And I think that's part of the thing that we need to do a little bit better is making those tools known. Adding U2F to a Node application or adding U2F to WordPress. There's a lot of pre-built pieces out there that you can use. We have libraries that can be used. And we've heard from companies that went and wrote it from the spec. It only took them two weeks. Now, you know, that, that sounds painful if you're doing it yourself. But if you're talking about a big customer-facing application, that's not too bad when you start thinking about all the user work flows and everything that needs to happen to be smooth. You know, we've seen as little as one day turnaround on U2F, and we've seen the worst one I think I saw was was about three weeks. That's, I think, because the guy had vacation in the middle. Yeah, it sounds like you're getting momentum with Salesforce, Google, Facebook. I mean, there's a pretty big names to, to, to help move it along. Does anybody have any questions for Derek about multi-factor stuff, specifically around U2F or FIDO? No? All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming up from Seattle and spending uh, half an hour with us and, and uh, Ubico helping sponsor B-Sides. This is obviously our big security event of the year here in Vancouver for the locals. Later this week, we have CanSec West, which is more, of course, an international scale uh, mm -hmm. uh, conference as well. But we're really happy to be able to kind of share the opportunity to have some speakers and sponsors when so much is going to other conferences at the same time. So thank you to you and Ubico. And that concludes this Sophos podcast. As always, our podcasts are available on RSS. They're on TuneIn. They're in the iTunes store, then Google Play, and also at soundcloud.com slash Sophos Security. Until next time, stay secure.